everybody. This is Bitch Breathe. My name is Ricardia. Welcome back to a brand new edition. I hope you're all doing well at this strange time. And as I record these episodes, I'm always thinking about ways where I can, yeah, find strategies to deal with what is going on, as well as life just continuing with the usual challenges that it brings. So today, I've decided I want to talk about keeping an emotional distance. This may sound a little counterintuitive, what with all the social distancing we're having to do at the moment and the separation that we're experiencing from those who are closest and even not so close to us. At this point, I often find myself thinking, oh, if I could just like have a spontaneous conversation with someone in the supermarket, that would just feel really, really great. And luckily those things happen, but I'll get to that later. So why am I choosing to speak about emotional distance at the moment? Well, You might have noticed, I think we all have, that our emotions and our reactions can be a little volatile and unpredictable at this time. I know it's been that way for me and in conversations with my friends very far away and here in Germany or Berlin, I'm noticing the same trend where everybody sort of feels very raw. The membrane that maybe some of us are able to use to let certain emotions in and others out isn't really fully functioning. I know for me, definitely, that filter has been... um, practically absent at the time. Think of it as the ozone layer, not quite covering the area you live in. And so everything is direct heat. That's what it can feel like, at least sometimes. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. So I want to give an example. The other day I was listening into a conversation on Clubhouse and they were talking about It was a very general question, so everybody could feel um, empowered or encouraged to participate regardless of level of education or even knowledge about the subject, I guess. But the question was, should there be absolute freedom of speech or opinion, I think, as it's called in Germany? And that question's already pretty vague, like I said, or, or very general. And there was one guy who seemed to know the moderator. He raised his hand to speak, and then he said that, you know, absolute seems a little strong and stuff, but la 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 la, he was going on and on with a lot of things that I didn't quite agree with. But the one thing that really got me going was, and quite frankly, I'm experiencing a lot of how did he say, veritable racism. Now, the guy is an older white man, (laughs) keep in mind. (laughs) Now I'm laughing because I'm thinking, I'm sorry, did you miss the the woke train? Because clearly you ain't on board. You ain't got no ticket either. But um, I was listening to this and I thought, what, 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 what did he just say? And I got so upset about it. And I also got upset that he continued to talk. And I kept thinking, my God, somebody grab a mic and put a mall on this guy because uh, a mall on this guy, because clearly he's off his rocker. So two women then who are on the stage, you have to be on the stage on Clubhouse to be able to speak, immediately said, um, if anything, you're not experiencing racism, you're experiencing discrimination. And then the other said something else that I also thought was very valid. And I was so compelled to also raise my hand and grab the mic. But um, there were too many people before me, and I knew I wasn't going to get to it on time. And so the moderator 
thanks the guy for his sometimes controversial opinions. They clearly knew each other and uh, for the courage to say the things he did. Now, even though I also was grateful that the guy said this, um, I thought there should have been some sort of corrective measure. But instead, the moderator reprimanded the two women for grabbing the mic when they hadn't been asked. So I immediately switched off the whole thing because I was like, I'm only going to get upset. But what I'm trying to get at with this very long clubhouse anecdote is I really scaled my anger up in no time. In no time, I was super angry, self-righteous. I had all sorts of opinions and I was in a state of fury. And I thought to myself, okay, so here I am in this app that clearly is mainly for entertainment and maybe a little help if you're into certain subjects. But to really scale your anger up in that way seems a little excessive. So maybe I should check myself. And that is what I want to talk about today is how can we find ways to disengage when we notice our emotions are clearly out of proportion to what is going on, or even if they're not clearly out of proportion to us, maybe we're noticing that it's just very strong and we don't know how to handle it. I'm also practicing this, especially at this time. Every day I make a conscious decision and I've noticed a lot of people around me have done so too, to de-escalate, right? So that, so that whenever something comes up, what is the de-escalating thing to do? Not because I'm not right, not because I want to stand up for myself, but because the question is, do I really want to go there? In the clubhouse example, what I mean is, do I really want to engage here now? Do I think I can convert this old white guy that he's part of the old consciousness that really needs to dissipate and to contribute to the new consciousness that we have now and that we can hopefully maintain. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to be able to actually have an impact in this moment. If I criticize what he says, he's just going to feel maybe even more confirmed in the rightness of what he's saying. So the question, do I really want to go there? Do I want to fully engage? Do I want to put on battle armor and go to war with this person? Not really. Not because I'm lethargic, not because I'm a coward, but because it's not the kind of framework where I can make an impact. So just as sort of a, a little tool that I found for myself was just the question, do I really want to go there? And related to that, I had a second question that I'm trying to apply in these sort of situations, which is, is this your battle? Because, you know, many times it is, as any kind of disenfranchised group, whether it's uh, Black Lives Matter, whether it's feminism, whether it's people with disabilities, whatever group it is, technically, you're always in battle in some way. It's not even a choice of, oh, do I go to battle today or not? It's like, I I'm sorry, I've just been discriminated against. You just made this my battle. So when you ask yourself this question, is this your battle? You may very well have to, whether you wanted to or not, say yes to that because there's been an injustice towards you, towards your child, towards your partner, whoever it is. And then by all means, if there's an impact to be made, or even if it just relieves you from pent up anger and frustration and grief or whatever it is that is going on for you, by all means, I do believe in engaging when the historic time, if you will, calls for it. 
But there's also a possibility where we decide that this is not our battle because we've maybe just been criticized. Maybe we haven't been discriminated as a group or as a person, but we've been criticized over a certain situation. Um, like, for example, the other day at work, I uh, realized that my coworker was uh, really being criticized and I didn't like the tone that was being taken towards him. And I thought, should I step in now and sort of engage in this? But my coworker is a fully grown person, uh, adult, and um, speaks the language. And so I thought, you know what, it's not my battle. I think maybe if he were a woman, I'd have felt slightly different. And I may have very well come to his aid. But this was a, a guy a white guy in a work situation, I thought, no, it's not my battle. It's something he has to learn. He needs to become this and this person in order for these battles to go away. And so I disengaged. I made myself available for him to speak to afterward in case he felt like there was something he wanted to process totally. But I didn't get entangled in what clearly was not my situation or my mess. Another thing that I've noticed in all the subtleties of emotion and not so subtle actually at the moment is what is not being said. So sometimes what I'm noticing now is that there's this this pressure cooker um, in people and you can tell they're clearly um, ready to explode because of what is going on, maybe. Maybe they're just personally having a crappy day. Uh, They've waited a long time in the supermarket line, or maybe they're waiting outside for a store because sometimes there's lines here now, right? Because not everything is open and there can be some bottleneck going on. And you notice it. The other day I noticed this woman, she was complaining about something and um, clearly she was looking at people around her to... um, to get confirmation that this was a very frustrating situation, clearly unacceptable and yada, yada, yada. And I I realized, okay, there's all this sort of barrage of verbiage coming from this woman. But what is not being said is that clearly she's just having a really hard day. You know, things are not going well for her. So I didn't really know what to say to her. I didn't feel like I should have to take care of her in that moment. But at the same time, I didn't want her to sort of feel unseen, I guess. So I just gave her a brief smile and then went about my business. And that was all I could do. And it was all I felt I should do at that moment. Because it's not my job to then go up to her and say, hey, you know, what is really going on? Maybe sometimes it is, but in this case, it didn't feel that way. And so I decided that what was not being said was much louder than what she was actually pronouncing and to just maybe smile and let her know that I have seen you. I see that this is difficult. Maybe that's all it takes. I don't know. You're not always going to, you know, reap benefits from being the nice person. Um, I'm just remembering the other day I didn't have cash on me and I'm coming out of the organic food store, you know, um, with the kind of middle class guilt people have when they come out of an organic store and there's a person in front of it selling the homeless paper in Berlin. They um, are very often outside the organic food store, which I think is pretty smart. (laughs) But anyway, um, I didn't have cash on me. So when I went in, I thought, oh, let me just pick up some food for the guy. So I packed like a little brown bag with like a couple things, nothing big, nothing super, super, you know, crown me Jesus kind of giving, but an offering, right? And I come out, I said, I'm sorry, I didn't have cash. And I hand him the bag. 
And the face on the guy, <laughs> the face on the guy was like, lady, like, what what up? Like, what am I supposed to do with that? You know, like, he totally was not happy with my offering. And I was like, okay, well, that was all I could do today. Um, anyway, that was just a little uh, <laughs> anecdote into you're not always going to be treated nicely because you're trying to be a good person or alleviate your guilt, whatever it is. Nice uh, question always to ask which of those it is. So that was that, my little organic food store story. One more obvious one I've been practicing lately, not just because I'm a yoga teacher, but because even as a yoga teacher, I tend to forget sometimes. And that is, are you still breathing? Like, for real, I know anyone who opens their Instagram and follows any spiritual persona on there will have some sort of meme throughout the day that tells you to fucking breathe your way through it. So I know this is one of the more conventional thoughts, but it is hands down, probably one of the most effective. And I don't just mean any kind of breathing, although any kind of breath that will stop you from losing your shit is always a good investment in oxygen. But I mean the kind of breath that gives you a little window of time. And usually, what is it, a quarter second you need before you blow up or before you lose control over a situation, which, by the way, is always allowed um, because these are strange times. But it is that little time window. And it doesn't always work for me, but it works most of the time on most days to just slowly breathe in and be as interested in the out-breath as you are in the in-breath. What do I mean by that? The immediate relief of breathing in, really taking in oxygen, is easily felt, even by those of us who aren't experienced breath or yoga practitioners. But what we don't always focus on is the out-breath, the in. That feels good, filling up the uh, the breath and the body with new energy. But the exhale is another kind of magic because it immediately makes you slow down because we often shorten the exhale thinking, oh, it's done already. I want more inhale. And yes, of course, the intake of new energy, new ideas, breath, whatever is important. I remember taking a uh, yoga class in Firenze, in, um, in Florence, in, in Italy. And I think the word for in breath was inspiro and the word for Outbreath was expiro or something like that. But anyway, inhaling spirit, exhaling spirit. And I thought that was so beautiful. And to really take this moment to inhale, but especially prolong the exhale. Because by the time that exhale is up, I can tell you from years and years of experience for myself and my students, you will be calmer. So just remembering the inhale, yes, but the long therapeutic exhale. And when you're done with that one, I can even feel it now. Your voice changes, everything changes. You can come to my next thought that I've been having, that I've been returning to over and over, because I read it in a book probably over a decade, maybe 15 years ago, and you've probably heard of it too. It's called The Four Agreements. I don't even remember all four of them, but I remember one very specifically in this context of keeping emotional distance, and that is... It's not personal. In fact, nothing is personal. And I think 
I'm paraphrasing heavily now, but I think what he comes up with in this one of the four agreements is that he says, even if someone is pointing a gun to your head and is about to pull the trigger, it's still not personal. I was like, that's true, right? Ultimately, if someone decides to put the literal or the proverbial gun to your head, if you decide to do so to another person, does it really have something to do with that person? Did they really trigger your finger on your trigger? And you know the answer to this already. The answer is always personal history or current circumstances, whatever that is, but it's not personal. And I want to give you an example because this happened to a few days ago, I'm walking down the street, I'm coming home from my morning walk. And there's this lady coming towards me, she's wearing her mask outside, so I can't really read her facial features. And she says, Good morning. And I'm about to like call back good morning to you too. Like, yay, you know, it's gonna be a good day. And she's like, just so you know, the system's going to shit. And I was like, ah, well, uh, I was totally lost because she caught me in between two completely opposing emotions where one was like that hearty, you know, in Germany, it has this really like ring to it, like, guten Morgen, you know, you're like, okay, I'm up, you know, and then she said, the whole system's going to shit. And I was like, oh, you know, that could also be true. What do I think by that? Why did I just meet this person? How come she barked this truth or semi truth at me? Or is it even true? And I went through all these like little emotions, nothing dramatic, but I loved observing how for the next five minutes, I was totally preoccupied with what this light lady had hollered at me. And I thought, yeah, that's nothing personal. This had nothing to do with me. I made it my business in a non-dramatic way, but it wasn't my business. That was not my narrative or sentiment or belief or even my experience. It was hers. This lady who just felt like she needed to shout this out at, you know, I don't know, 830 in the morning. And hell, why not? I mean, it's all up. It's all up for grabs, all this stuff at the moment anyway, right? But I just thought it's interesting. If we take back the notion that what happens to us is personal, there's so much power in there. Because you can just disengage from entire conversations, I want to say, or accusations or circumstances where you feel attacked or unjustly treated or whatever it is. You don't have to take it personal. I don't have to take it personal. We can just be like, okay, so this is happening, but it's none of my business. And you know that that whole uh, little sense. What is it they say? Um, what other people say about you is none of your business. That's another thing that's part of this sort of thought. But what I'm really interested in is to keep telling myself that this is not personal. This has everything to do with what this person is going through right now. And even if they're criticizing me about something that I actually did wrong, that still doesn't mean it's personal. It just means that there's a conversation here about an action that I performed that was not agreed upon in some sort of a way. That makes it a lot less personal, and I can accept the criticism that might have very rightfully been given to me. So that is most of what I wanted to say. There's one last thought that I've had, and something that I have practiced recently as well, is that if none of this works, we can ask ourselves, can I just walk away from the situation? literally and or figuratively. Can you just walk away? 
Can you decide that you don't need to be here with this person, in this job, in this store, buying this book from a clerk who's being an ass? You know, do you need to be here? Really? Or can you just walk away? I think that's a really, really interesting question that I continue to pursue these days because I've found there are many situations that aren't going to have an impact if I stay and certainly not a positive one. So just walk away. Sort of bringing it back to the clubhouse conversation at the very beginning of this episode. I switched off the app. I don't need to engage with this person. And I thought that was really helpful for me. I hope some of these were helpful to you. I would love to hear what it is you're doing these days to somehow keep the emotional balance with everything that is going on. And more than anything else, I hope you're well and able to take care of yourself and your life and find minutes, days where you can also see the other side of this because I do believe there is one. If you'd like to get in touch with me, please do. My email is bitchbreathe at gmx.com. Join us in our Facebook group, which is also called Bitch Breathe. If you have any ideas you'd like us to talk about, absolutely hit me up. And please rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Looking forward to hearing from you. Stay well. Stay well.